host, Annie Randall, and this is a safe space for real talk regarding all things Jesus, mental health, and of course, your relationship with food. Welcome back to the second season of Triad Warriors, the podcast where we are talking about the many, many factors that can cause and or influence disordered eating and poor body image. With us today, we have another special guest, Natasha Nagindi, or as you may know from Instagram, the Thick Nutritionist. Natasha is a Canadian non-diet nutritionist, a Zumba instructor, and an entrepreneur. She spent years being a slave to diet culture, but she was never able to keep the weight off. After hitting rock bottom, she finally gained food freedom and learned to truly love herself. Her lived experiences inspired her to help others struggling with the same issues to have food freedom and accept their bodies too. During her free time, Natasha enjoys spending time with family and friends, watching movies, reading, journaling, dancing, and listening to music. With that said, I am so excited to have Natasha on the show. I know I've said this uh, on every episode this season, but that's only because I have some pretty incredible guests on season two. Natasha is someone whom I've followed on Instagram for several years, and she is also someone who has established herself as a respected authority within the anti-diet intuitive eating space. So when she agreed to be on the show for today, I was absolutely thrilled. Natasha has an inspiring story and a wealth of knowledge, and I am certain that today's episode will be helpful for so many. But before we get into today's topic, I want to give you an opportunity to share a little more about yourself, Natasha. Maybe share a little about your background, what brought you to the world of intuitive eating and body acceptance, how these topics relate to your personal story or what you do as a professional in the field. For sure. Okay. Thank you so much for having me today, Annie. So just a little bit of a background on me. I am a Canadian nutritionist and I have been working as a nutritionist for the last five years now. And I work with women to help improve their body image, their Mm -hmm. relationship with movement, and also their relationship with food. And it came from a very long history of me having major self-esteem issues, struggling to actually eat normally, and also just not knowing how to actually move. Mm -hmm. So let me just tell you a little bit about my childhood and then how I basically got to here. It's quite a story. (laughs) Okay. Well, we'll we'll love to hear it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So it starts back in South Africa, um, which is where I'm from. And it's a place where unlike the Western world, there are a lot more full figured bodies and it's quite normal. So while I was growing up, I never ever thought anything was wrong with having curves and all the people around me seemed to be in larger bodies. So there was nothing to it. But when I moved to Canada, I noticed that there was an entirely different standard of beauty here. And I noticed that I absolutely did not fit into any parts of it because I am not a thin white 
woman. And so it was a really unfortunate realization to make as a kid. Um, and it actually made me think that I didn't even deserve love from such a young age. And so I tried to follow the magazines. I tried to follow all the tips on losing weight, but nothing worked out. Um, I wasn't too, too committed to it at first because I was really, really young and my parents were like, nope, <laughs> you have to eat this. Yeah. Um, but as I grew older and moved towards high school, I started being more restrictive um, because I could and no one was monitoring my intake the same way as when I was younger. Um, so those behaviors only got worse up until the end of high school when I thought that I fell in love with someone. And this guy told me that to be attractive and to be worthy of dating, I would have to lose 50 pounds. And instead of seeing this as a problematic comment, I took this as a form of encouragement, something to motivate me. and so. I dedicated the next few months to losing that weight mm -hmm. because all I wanted was to be accepted by him and to be loved by him. Flash forward, after putting myself through um, intense workouts, working out six days a week, usually twice a day, um, I did lose weight, but I was not actually in a good mental space because it's unrealistic to underfeed yourself for months and overexercise and then expect to gain actual health. But at that time, I didn't really care. I was just trying to be thinner and society was really affirming to me that I was on the right track because all of a sudden I did get more compliments and I did get more attention, but it wasn't the right attention because like people that actually love you and care about you will accept you at any size. Mm -hmm. um, but I definitely did enjoy that moment of approval. I eventually had to crash though, because it was not, sus not sustainable, like I just discussed. And at that point, I had already joined the nutrition program in university because I just felt like I wanted to change lives, help people lose weight after being able to lose weight myself and people asking me questions all the time as to how I did it. Um, and so I was steadily gaining weight through each year of school and it was getting really, really difficult for me to basically just live because I always felt really bad about what I looked like. I am already in a different body uh, compared to the typical nutritionist. So to keep gaining weight on top of that was just so embarrassing. And I always felt like my classmates were judging me for that. And I didn't think I could become a competent nutrition professional if that was the case. I ultimately went to go see a dietitian and I let her know, hey, I am struggling with my weight and I need to lose 50 pounds as soon as possible, because at that point I had gained all the weight that I lost plus more. Mm. So I was just struggling. Yeah. 
she listened to me. She was very compassionate, which I really appreciated. But then she informed me that she has a different approach to nutrition that does not focus on any numbers or any weight loss. Um, and she thought it might be beneficial to me if I'm willing to try. And honestly, at that point, I really had nothing to lose. So I decided to give intuitive eating a shot. That was the very first time I ever even heard of intuitive eating. And I'm so thankful that she encouraged me to start this journey because that's actually how I started my Instagram account, The Thick Nutritionist, because I was just so amazed by everything I was learning about movement, food, and my body. And I just wanted every single person to know as well, because I knew so many of us were also struggling with those kinds of issues. And so as the years went by and I got deeper into my journey, I ultimately became a nutritionist um, and actually helping other people do the same thing. That is, yeah, such a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing it. Um, because like you said, there's so many other people who are struggling with the same things that you were struggling with. And the thing that I find to be so amazing, especially in the like intuitive eating anti-diet world is that most of us have gone through experiences with dieting and we have experienced all the pain ourselves. That's how we stumbled across intuitive eating. And it's the same in your story where you stumbled across this dietitian who thank goodness had this alternative route rather than continuing pursuing that weight loss. That was just like an endless kind of trap in an endless cycle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the thing that stands out to me most about your story is there was like a lot of shame early on and just feeling like you said that you weren't worthy of love and that being internalized at such a young age. So then when you were in a relationship where you were told explicitly told that like you needed to change your body in order to be loved it makes so much sense why then that cycle would get worse in that space um and so what's beautiful about it is it, you can just really see in all of your content and all of your work and just your persona right now how much freedom you found from all those feelings of like shame or not being lovable and everything that you struggled with in the past and that's what just makes it so inspiring Thank you so much for that. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is very freeing. I cannot <laughs> lie about that. Yes, and uh, your challenges and all the struggles that you overcome is a source of hope for so many other people. And I know we'll get into your story a little bit more as it relates to each question as we go into the topic for today. Um, so as you talked about in your story, breaking free from diet culture served as that turning point for you. And in the world of body acceptance and intuitive eating, this whole concept of ditching the diet is just kind of common language. But I also find that many people don't really know what we mean when we talk about diet culture because you have diets saying they're not diets and it's really confusing. <laughs> so can you spend some time explaining what we mean by diet culture and then how we see that influence within the world today? Yeah, sure. So basically, I would say that diet culture is a multi-billion dollar industry. So it's worth over $70 billion and it profits from our insecurities. And what I mean by that is 
it encourages different things such as thinner bodies being better, um, no pain, no gain when it comes to movement or restricting calories when it comes to food or using movement as a punishment. I could go on and on or even things like beach bodies or detox teas, all of those things are part of diet culture. All of the different pieces of the puzzle that are constantly telling you that you're not good enough and that you should be fitting into this other ideal that is very unrealistic for most people. Um, diet culture is a set of beliefs that values thinness, it values appearance and shape over actual health. And it's a very, um, it's very easy to get trapped into the cycle of diet culture mm -hmm. because it's just so normalized in our society. Yeah, I love how you emphasize that it's so easy to get trapped in it because it is normalized. Like when we think of health, we think of, oh, you have to lose weight. Like that's what healthy is. And we think that we can look at someone and tell just by their body shape or size how healthy they are, when in reality, we have no idea what's going on inside. And like, I know in my own personal story, when I weighed my least, I was like my most unhealthy. <laughs> and I'm sure you can probably relate to that, at least in the terms of like the restriction you were doing when you had lost all of that weight. And it's like, that doesn't necessarily equate to health. And so I think that that's important to understand about diet culture, that it's not just, okay, most people understand that like extreme methods are diets, like, you know, a detox or some sort of juice cleanse, like people are like, okay, that's a diet. But like you said, it's this whole ideology that values thinness. And so it goes beyond those extreme measures. And it's really anything that, like you said, tells you, you need to become in a smaller body in order to be worthy of love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so on the other side of diet culture, <laughs> we have intuitive eating. Um, so I would like to give you a chance to explain to people who have maybe never heard of intuitive eating or on the beginning of their journey of intuitive eating, what is intuitive eating <laughs> and what suggestions do you have for someone who is new in that journey? Well, intuitive eating is a set of principles that teaches you how to get in touch with your body cues, like your hunger, fullness, um, and satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And you learn how to trust your body around food again. So I always like to say intuitive eating is just normal eating because it is what our relationships with food would look like if it wasn't for diet culture and on that influence that it has on so many of us. Mm -hmm. um, and for anyone that is looking to start the intuitive eating journey, the first step uh, that I would suggest is trying to identify how diet culture affects your life and especially the different beliefs that you might have around food and see if there's any ways that you can challenge yourself to let go of different pieces one at a time. You don't have to do everything all at once. So even if it's a little, even just a small commitment to yourself that you're not going to restrict yourself from eating certain foods that you love because you're scared of calories. That can be one really huge challenge that can shift your, um, that can shift your relationship with food positively. 
Yeah, definitely. That's a huge one too. Like you said, notice what it is for you and how it's showing up because it can show up in so many different ways for so many people, but not eating your favorite foods. It's like, well, of course we're going to want to eat the foods we like. And when we're trying to restrict ourselves and not allow it, it's like, that's just a ticking time bomb. Like eventually we're going to eat the food. And if we feel guilty about it or shameful about it, that's not helpful. And so like you're saying, like recognizing that and then allowing yourself to eat that food is so important. What do you think are some of in that? Cause it's like obviously easier for us to say that than it is done. <laughs> what do you think are some of the biggest roadblocks people uh, kind of encounter in their intuitive eating journeys? Well, one really big one that I've seen is people thinking that it has to be perfect. Mm. And it makes sense because most of us are coming from that dieting mindset where there's all these rules that we are comfortable seeing and we're comfortable at least trying to follow even though they don't serve us. So then when it comes to intuitive eating, sometimes people will apply those 10 principles as if they're also dieting rules. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that it's more of just a framework to look at, but nothing to actually consider as a Bible. Um, and so one thing I always tell people is that if you feel like you messed up on one of the principles, for example, maybe you ate past your fullness, it's totally okay because you're still a human being, which means that you're not perfect. And sometimes you are going to eat more than others. You might get too full on some occasions, but again, that's part of normal eating. For example, a Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving dinner, celebrations. Why would you ever judge yourself for you know eating outside of your normal in those kinds of situations? So definitely a lot of judgment is what I've also seen come up for people. And again, I think it's just because of coming out of that dieting mentality. So just having that compassion and knowing that hey, with time, intuitive eating will get easier because it's not like diets mm -hmm. um, is really, really helpful to keep in mind. Yeah, that is so good. That is such a good thing to point out because it's totally true. Uh, it's very easy to take that perfectionist mindset into intuitive eating because it is something totally different, like you said, than dieting. And so we've never experienced that before. And we tend to go with what we know and what we know is, oh, here's a set of 10 rules that I have to follow. And then when we break one of those rules or don't meet it perfectly, we get upset with ourselves. And so it's so good to give people kind of that freedom to, like you said, be human, which means we're not perfect. And these are not rules. They're just to help you kind of think about what your relationship with food and your body and all of that look like for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. So part of an intuitive uh, eating journey. I mean, as we, I just said, like, what does your relationship with food and your body look like? And so part of that journey is making peace with your body and moving into that space of body acceptance or body neutrality. It's often put off as body positivity, which has been turned into something, some whole other thing. So I know you use the word like self-acceptance. Um, so how might someone begin to move into a space of body neutrality or self-acceptance? 
One really big um, contributor to most of us not accepting ourselves is social media. Mm -hmm. Yes, I don't know if you can relate to that, but for me, especially when I was deep in my dieting days, my feed was full of, you know, toxic fitness inspiration and all these influencers who were basically perpetuating that message of your body is not good enough unless you can change it and look more like me. Mm. And so every single time I went on social media, I would see those kinds of things. And that was just, it was beyond Instagram. It also spilled over into Facebook and Pinterest. So anytime I was seeing something to remind me of that. Um, so one major thing that I suggest doing is going on a social media detox, just really look at who you're following and how they make you feel. So it doesn't just have to be influencers, even if it's someone that you know personally, if that person is triggering to you, then unfollow them. Or if you can't unfollow them, you feel bad about that, mute them so that you don't see any of their posts. Because what you look at is what you're going to receive more of. And it's just going to keep confirming to you that you're not good enough. So at least if you can try to replace those negative accounts with accounts that do make you feel good and mm -hmm. accounts of uh, people with different kinds of bodies that are realistic and especially bodies like your own can be really amazing for your self-esteem. Um, whenever you see any ads of, I don't know, bikini bodies, beach body, whatever it is, just X out of those and report it as whatever option there <laughs> that resonates yeah. with you in the moment. And that's basically just so you see less of that. Um, so social media is a really big one because even if you make your feed really positive, you're still going to be constantly bombarded externally by a bunch of diet culture things. So at least if we can control something, it it's really helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing that I really suggest is meeting like-minded people or just immersing yourself into a community that is that believes the same thing and mm -hmm. is going in the same direction. So for me, when I started my journey, like I said, I started my Instagram account and I found all the intuitive intuitive eating communities I could find. I just wanted to be inspired by people that are further along in the journey and also to have people that understand what I'm going through because not a lot of people are on this journey, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And those are both huge pieces of advice. Like I love both of those. I think that's so important. Like you said, being around that community because the people that were around are going to shape how we think and how we feel and how we behave. And the same goes with what you're seeing on social media. Like that is very much shaping like your views and what is normal in your eyes. And so when we're following, you know, all these diet accounts, that's what we're being in inspired to go do. But if we're following intuitive eating, anti-diet accounts, it's like, okay, we're learning. We're seeing someone else who has done it before doing it. And 
even if we have some doubts in the beginning of our intuitive eating journey, it's like, okay, well, these people are like, they're okay. They're not like, like going off the deep end or anything like that. Like they're okay. <laughs> and so it's, it helps to encourage you to stay in that journey for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I like your advice on the uh, ads as well. I think a lot of people don't know that you can do that, that you can like report ads or like not see them anymore. And I'm just like on a frenzy all the time with like, anytime something pops up, I like either mark it as inappropriate or offensive, depending on how, like you said, depending on how I feel the day, (laughs) but that's great. Exactly. Total game changer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because then you're not seeing it all the time. Cause like you said, it's, it's easy to detox your feed and I mean, it can be hard, but it's easier to like, you know, unfollow accounts and do all that. And then you still get ads and it's like, that's really frustrating because you're trying to not see it. And then Instagram's still showing it to you. So yeah, really important. Uh, awesome. Did you have anything else to add for that question or are you good? I'm good on that one. Cool. Those are two big pieces that can honestly make huge shifts for sure. Um, So in the realm of diet culture, we also have toxic fitness culture, which is in diet culture, but can also be its own thing as well. And so my next question for you then would be, what is toxic fitness culture and how does the fitness industry contribute to to the uh, skyrocketing rates of both body dissatisfaction and eating disorders. So toxic fitness culture is that piece of diet culture that encourages people to move their bodies in a certain way to show that they are fit. Um, And a really big part of that is focusing on appearance. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we all have those typical fit fit bodies that we strive to get. Everyone wants to have abs or like very toned and lean bodies or whatever it is. Toxic fitness culture focuses on moving your body for things that are not pleasurable to you. Mm -hmm. So it's more about burning calories. It's about changing your body, changing what you look like and basically trying to be someone else. And so this really does contribute to the skyrocketing eating disorders and disordered eating rates, because when you're in this zone and you're trying to look more like your fitness idol, you end up eating in ways that might not actually serve you. And that's when people get hyper-focused on eating certain macronutrients like protein more than other foods. And they start thinking, oh no, calorie uh, carbs are bad for me, or all of these crazy ideas that people get from fitness influencers start spilling over into their relationship with food mm-hmm. as well. And because they don't have that body. And because it's unrealistic for many people, you end up feeling really down on yourself. And it's really sad because it's just this cycle also of never feeling like you're good enough, forcing yourself to move multiple times a day or multiple times a week, and then getting some results. But then those results are always temporary, which gets you to feel bad you stop moving your body. And then ultimately, when those bad thoughts um, just overtake you, you start moving too much all over again. Mm. So it's really hard to break out of that cycle as well. 
Yeah. It creates like this distrust or inability to listen to your body because it's just like you said, forcing your body to move multiple times a day or multiple times a week when you don't want to. And then you lose touch with those kind of signals. Um, and it's just, yeah, movement becomes this form of punishment rather than a form of joy and expression and fun, which is really what it should be. Exactly. And that kind of uh, reminds me of when we were talking on our pre-recording session about your uh, experience with Zumba. And so I was wondering if you could explain a little bit about how what Zumba has meant for your life and how that has changed your relationship with movement. For sure. So for me, I got into Zumba because the dietitian that I was working with encouraged me to think of forms of movement that don't feel like a punishment or like torture to me. And mm -hmm. I always loved dancing and I genuinely just didn't even consider it a form of movement because of how much I actually enjoy it. And now that I know a little bit more about movement, I I'm sad that there was ever a moment where I thought, hey, if I like this, it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I started joining Zumba classes. I would go just once a week to begin. And I was really, really happy when I went to the gym that I went to because the Zumba instructor that was there was actually a black woman mm -hmm. and she was in a full figured body, which was just amazing to me to mm -hmm. see because A, that was in Saskatchewan where there's not much color and two, uh, a fitness instructor in a larger body it just was an amazing concept to me and she was so confident and she was moving so fast <laughs> i was like wow i want to be like you and so i started going to the class more often and it was just because i truly actually enjoyed it and the more i went the more comfortable i started to feel in my body to the point that eventually I decided to actually pursue being an instructor and she was very supportive of me and I really appreciate Zumba because just as a company itself, it really does believe in everyone being represented and movement being for all. So I'm really happy that out of all forms of movement, that's the one that I ended up doing. And yeah, it's just been amazing since then. That's so awesome. I absolutely love that. That's something that you've found so much joy in. And it's really interesting how in the beginning you're saying you didn't even consider it as a form of exercise because it was fun for you. And that just goes to show what culture has conditioned us to think of exercise as not something that's fun, something that's punishment and torture and all of these things. When in reality, you've experienced so much probably benefit to your health and just your overall well-being by doing something that you one enjoy and two is a very valid form of movement honestly zumba is really difficult <laughs> like i'm no good at zumba <laughs> i should probably go to one of your classes i'm sure it will be would be really fun um, yes <laughs> yeah. everyone should we'll talk about how people can get signed up for that towards the end um but another thing I want to know is I really love how 
you had this sense of belonging in Zumba. Like that's so important. And you saying that the class you went to had a fitness instructor who was a black woman in a larger body and just how important it is for people to feel like they belong and they fit in and that they're accepted in a space. And so that is really beautiful that it became a space where you could fully accept who you were and be fully yourself in enjoying something that you love to do. Yes, no, that is really, really true. And I agree with you. When fitness is actually inclusive, it's something that more people actually want to do, they enjoy doing, and it stops being a competition or basically toxic fitness. Yeah, yeah. Stops being toxic fitness and starts being what fitness really should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inclusivity is huge from so many different perspectives in all aspects of life, but specifically talking about health and fitness here. Uh, so that's so great. Um, so we've mentioned the word movement several times, and that's a shift in language for a lot of people. Um, so how is shifting one's language from exercise, which is what we typically think of, to movement? How is that helpful in building a healthier relationship with our bodies and exercise um, and even potentially food? So I just want to start by saying that I know that everyone assigns different meanings to words, mm -hmm. but for a lot of us, uh, like you said, exercise has always been this word that is usually that usually has negative connotations because it's something that we have to do. It's not something that we find fun. It's all about, you know, changing yourself and it's more of a competition. Whereas when it comes to movement, movement is inclusive. So it includes all different types of activities, including the ones that you would never consider a form of exercise. So those things like gardening or going on a trampoline, playing like video games, like with your Wii or figure skating, all of those other things that don't include being on a treadmill or lifting weights or any of those other mm. stereotypical forms of movement. So I really love the idea of just calling it movement because it gives you more permission to just focus on yourself and focus on having fun. Um, and another piece is that I feel like when you approach fitness that way, you're a lot less likely to get hurt mm, because yeah. you're, you're truly moving based on how your body feels. You're actually listening to yourself. You're paying attention to these signals and you're actually doing something that serves you. And it's the same kind of thing with food, where once you give yourself permission to just experiment with different foods, you end up finding out the portion sizes that serve you and the different foods that actually make you feel good without having to rely on anything external like diet culture. And when it comes to movement, it's the same thing because you don't need any fitness plans to tell you what to do or any fitness influencers. Yeah, for sure. That individual piece is so important. Like you're saying there where 
our bodies need different things and diet culture does not recognize that everybody has individual needs and preferences and same with movement. Like some days we may feel like going and doing a really hard workout and that's going to be great. And other days it's like, oh, maybe a walk around the block is what we need or nothing. <laughs> like some days we may just need rest. And like you're saying, movement encompasses so much more. And I love, I love that you included gardening in there and like other things, cleaning things that people don't typically think of as like you're moving your body <laughs> and that is a form of exercise and like I know once I had a client who was telling me she was feeling guilty because um she didn't work out that weekend but she did like eight hours of gardening <laughs> and I was like well you moved a lot this weekend like yeah maybe you were on a treadmill like you were saying is kind of what we think of as exercise but you were moving your body engaging with your body because like that's the purpose of movement right is to like connect with our bodies and so yeah being able to use a language that encompasses so much more and it just sounds a lot more gentle too <laughs> exactly i really yeah. like that mm -hmm. yeah it's just like, it doesn't sound so harsh. And I mean, like you said, everyone associates different things with different words. So to someone exercise may not be a naughty word or a loaded word, but to other people, it definitely is. Yeah, definitely. I think to many more people, it is a loaded word. Yes. And that's unfortunately a result of the culture and world that we live in. Yeah. Um, so you've given a lot of tips already. So, uh, what final tips might you give to someone who is on their journey to self-acceptance and food freedom and just all figuring out all of this in their relationship with food and bodies? Well, I would say that ultimately my biggest piece of advice is to be kind to yourself throughout this whole process. Mm -hmm. So in each of the different areas, be kind to yourself as you move from that dieting mentality to a mentality of food freedom and body peace and enjoyable movement because changes do not happen overnight. So just the fact that you have even identified that there's issues uh, and different things that you can improve in your life when it comes to letting go of diets, that in itself is already a massive win because most people have not yet realized it because of how prominent diet culture is in our society. So even if you are doing great with letting go of diets and one day you end up backtracking, that's totally okay because like we said earlier, you're a human being. So just try to get back up and try again and again and again because there's truly no such thing as failure when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. So truly just know that it is going to get better with time. It's not dieting, it's not another fad that's just going to go away. This is a lifestyle and it's something that every single person can have. It might mm -hmm. seem difficult, but like we were also saying, it's what the normal actually should be when we strip away all of these external influences. Yeah. So yeah, just stay strong and be kind. Yeah, that being gentle with yourself is a huge thing. Like you said, it comes back to the the theme of this is you're human and you're not perfect. <laughs> and like you don't have to be perfect. And <laughs> there 
is no wagon to fall off of. There is no track to fall off of. Like this is life. <laughs> it's yeah. like, I, I find that at least I know when I was like in my eating disorder, that it was just like every single meal felt like this was like a make or break it for everything. And it's like, that was just a lot of pressure <laughs> to put on like, because really like one meal does not change anything at all. And so to think of that with like every meal, it's just so much pressure where I have to stay perfect all the time. And like you said, we need to be more gentle with ourselves because we don't need to be perfect. And that's not even the point of eating or movement or any of life. <laughs> Exactly. It's just so exhausting to be yeah. constantly trying to follow diet culture for sure. And that's another thing I really like the fact that once you switch your mindset, you have so much brain space, so much free brain space that you didn't yeah. have before. And you realize how much of life you were missing because of how deep you were into diet culture. Yeah. So yeah, that's another thing I have to say. Life is too short to focus on solely losing weight. Like your life purpose is so much bigger than that. Yes. And you know, just focus on your talents, your accomplishments, the things that actually make you happy and the things that light you up, because mm. those things are actually going to last throughout your life rather mm -hmm. than your appearance, which will always change. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Focusing on living your life because <laughs> it's like I find people will like be like, okay, once I lose this amount of weight, then I will do X, Y, and Z. Then I will live my life. And it's like, no, just live life now. Like just enjoy life now because when it's never going to come and then you're never going to do X, Y, and Z and just do the thing and just enjoy your life. Yeah. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> awesome. So you obviously know a lot about this topic and I know that because I've been following you for a lot of years. So <laughs> I have no doubt that working with you uh, would be a huge help to so many people. And I know you've changed a lot of people's lives already. So if someone is listening to this podcast right now and she or he feels like you may be a good fit for them, how might they go about setting up an appointment with you? And then can you explain a little bit how you're Zumba classes work as well. For sure. So if you're interested in working with me, awesome. I love that. And I would definitely love to hear from you. So go on Instagram and search my Instagram handle, which is the thick nutritionist. And as soon as you get there, there is a link where you can click to apply for, to my program. There's a short form. And then we the next step is that we would schedule a call with each other just to mm -hmm. see if we would be a good fit to work together. And it's actually a free call. Um, and for Zumba classes, if you would like to join, uh, just send me a direct message on Instagram and let me know, and then I will send you more details and yeah, give you more information that way. Mm -hmm. um, another way that you can access this is just to go on my website, thethicknutritionist.com, and you can click apply there. Awesome. Cool. So I'll put that link also in the, um, the episode link so people can click onto your website directly from this episode too. Uh, but yes, everybody should go to your Instagram and follow you and sign up for all the things because you have lots of great offerings. Thank you. Of course. Is there anything else you would like to add to everything we talked about? I think that's good. I think we covered a lot. 
Yeah, we covered a lot. We gave some things for people to start thinking about. Don't, don't <laughs> want to overwhelm them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on today's episode. This has been honestly so helpful. I think that this will help people start their journeys if they haven't already started and maybe be a source of encouragement for those who are already on that journey. Um, I do have one last question. It is something that I ask everyone on my uh, seasons because I just think it's a fun question to ask and we're talking about food. So what is your favorite food? Pizza, without yes. a doubt. I love pizza. <laughs> Quick answer. You're like, I don't even have to think about it. Pizza. <laughs> that, that's how my husband is. Yeah, he loves pizza. <laughs> awesome. So good. <laughs> you could just have it in so many different ways. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> do you have a favorite like toppings on your, your pizza or do you like any pizza? Ooh, I'm controversial. I love my pineapple on pizza. Okay. <laughs> Some, some people will not like that answer. <laughs> I know. You know what? Well, diet being anti-diet is controversial too. So we're just keeping the controversy. So that's true. That's true. Gotta <laughs> keep the same energy. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks again. And thank you to all of the listeners. I hope you all have a great day, evening, morning, whenever you're listening to this. And we will catch you on the next episode. <laughs>